You are now listening to Unsolved Mysteries and Cold Cases. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, your guide into the shadowy depths of the unresolved, the enigmatic, and the chilling. Each episode, we'll delve into baffling disappearances, unsolved crimes, and tales that have slipped through the cracks of time and memory. Through interviews, expert analysis, and meticulous investigation, we'll attempt to piece together the puzzles that have perplexed minds for years. So, if you have a curious heart and a mind unafraid of the shadows, join me in unraveling the enigmas that refuse to be forgotten and give voice to the silent tales hidden within the folds of history. In the early hours of March 18, 1990, while the city of Boston was still subdued under the enchanting embrace of St. Patrick's Day festivities, the serene silence surrounding the prestigious Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum was shattered. Two men, cunningly disguised as Boston police officers, managed to bluff their way past the museum's security, initiating a daring robbery that would echo through the corridors of art history. Over the span of an audacious 81-minute operation, they relieved the museum of 13 of its priceless art pieces, etching the contours of a mystery that continues to confound investigators to this day. The Gardner Museum, a luminous star in Boston's cultural constellation, was an architectural marvel teeming with a collection of extraordinary art. With an estimated worth of a staggering $500 million, this brazen act of theft remains the largest unsolved art heist in world history. Among the stolen pieces were irreplaceable masterpieces such as Vermeer's The Concert and Rembrandt's Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee, the only known seascape by the Dutch master. This theft was not merely an incident, it was an agonizing wound inflicted on the world of art, a loss akin to tearing pages from the annals of human creativity. Despite rigorous investigative efforts by federal agencies, renowned detectives, and art sleuths worldwide, the artwork's whereabouts remain a haunting enigma. As we delve into this fascinating tale of intrigue and audacity, we venture into a shadowy world of organized crime, illicit black markets, high-profile suspects, and undying hope. This is the story of the Gardner Museum heist, an enduring mystery that continues to grip and baffle the world in equal measure. Chapter 1 Introduction and Overview Founded in the waning days of the 19th century, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum was the embodiment of one woman's insatiable passion for art. Isabella, a vivacious and wealthy socialite, was a prominent figure of Boston's elite, but it was her profound love for art that set her apart. She was an ardent collector, a patron to artists, and above all, a visionary who sought to bring a piece of the world's artistic heritage to the heart of Boston. Guided by her innate curiosity and daring spirit, Isabella traveled extensively, crossing continents and cultures in her relentless quest for artistic treasures. Along the way, she fostered relationships with eminent artists, scholars, and dealers, amassing a vast and varied collection that spanned centuries and continents. Each piece she acquired was not merely an artifact but a tale of human creativity, waiting to be told and shared. Her most enduring contribution, however, is the museum that bears her name. Conceived as an immersive piece of experiential art, the museum is not merely a repository of artworks, but a work of art in itself. Nestled in the heart of Boston, 
the museum's Venetian-inspired architecture pays homage to the palaces of Venice, a city that held a special place in Isabella's heart. Inside, a spectacular courtyard brimming with lush foliage and adorned with sculptures transports visitors to another era, blurring the lines between art, nature, and architecture. Isabella meticulously planned each room, each corner, every display in her museum. She mixed and matched, creating enchanting vistas that paired early Renaissance masterpieces with Oriental ceramics, ancient Roman sculptures with French tapestries. Each room was a meticulously crafted tableau, capturing a slice of Isabella's extraordinary world vision. Her singular arrangement of art transcended geographical boundaries and historical timelines, a testament to the universal language of beauty and creativity. Over the years, the museum's collection grew to house more than 15,000 pieces of art, including European paintings, decorative arts, textiles, and historical artifacts. Among its many treasures were the stirring works of European masters such as Titian, Botticelli, Rembrandt, and Vermeer. In the quiet, contemplative spaces of the museum, visitors could lose themselves in the profound narratives, the delicate brushstrokes, and the vibrant colors that define these masterpieces. Yet, it was the soul of the museum, Isabella's own spirit, that transformed it from a grand display of art into a living monument of human creativity. A testament to one woman's indefatigable spirit and her unwavering belief in the transformative power of art, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum stands as a beacon of cultural heritage, inviting us all to partake in its extraordinary story. This story, however, would take a dramatic turn, casting a long shadow over the museum's illustrious past and pitching it into an enduring mystery. Underneath the cloak of St. Patrick's Day revelries, as the city of Boston hummed with festivities, an audacious plan was brewing. It was a scheme to shatter the tranquility of the revered Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum and plunder its cultural treasures. Two men, donned in police uniforms, confidently approached the museum under the guise of responding to a disturbance call. The hour was late, the streets were empty, and the museum's minimal security staff were young and inexperienced, making it the perfect setting for a heist. Trusting in the authority the uniforms represented, the guard on duty made the fatal mistake of breaking protocol and allowed the two officers inside. Inside the museum, the thieves wasted no time. They expertly maneuvered the guard away from the security desk, neutralizing the panic button, the only means of communication with the outside world. With the guard out of the way, they swiftly proceeded to subdue the second security officer, ensuring complete control over the premises. And then the unthinkable happened. With deliberate precision, the thieves embarked on a brutal pillage, slashing masterpieces from their frames and wreaking havoc on Isabella's carefully curated collection. The halls of the museum, once filled with awe-inspiring beauty, echoed with the unspeakable destruction of cultural heritage. In a little over an hour, the thieves vanished into the night with thirteen pieces of irreplaceable art. As dawn broke over the city, the aftermath of the robbery started to sink in. The scale of the heist was staggering, both in terms of the financial value of the stolen works and the cultural loss that it represented. The audacity of the heist, the identity of the thieves, 
and the whereabouts of the stolen art continued to baffle investigators and art enthusiasts alike. But it wasn't just the stolen masterpieces that stirred the world's imagination. The circumstances of the robbery, the gaps in security, and the elusive nature of the investigation all conspired to make the Gardner Museum heist an enduring mystery, captivating the minds and hearts of millions. The narrative was far from over, with many twists and turns to follow, each more intriguing than the last. Among the pillaged art, the loss of thirteen pieces cast a particularly dark shadow over the art world, as they represented some of the most brilliant works of human creativity. These stolen treasures weren't just any artworks, they bore the signature of some of history's greatest artists, making the theft not just a financial loss, but a cultural catastrophe. One of the most renowned pieces taken was the concert by Johannes Vermeer. Painted in the 17th century, this masterpiece was one of only 34 known works by the Dutch artist. Depicting three musicians engrossed in their performance, the painting was a testament to Vermeer's skill of capturing the interplay of light and texture, a spectral presence that was irreplaceably lost. The thieves also targeted Rembrandt, a towering figure in the world of art, known for his masterful handling of light and shadow. His Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee, his only known seascape, was ripped from its frame. This dynamic work, filled with drama and turbulence, perfectly illustrated Rembrandt's ability to depict human emotion and his exquisite detailing of physical features. Equally notable was the theft of Chez Tortoni by Edouard Manet, a master of modern art. This vibrant café scene showcased Manet's innovative style, blending the charm of everyday life with a layered hint of mystery. The missing work leaves a void in the understanding of the progression of modern art. In addition to these, the thieves took a collection of sketches by Edgar Degas, whose talent for capturing the human form in motion was unrivaled. His missing works, known for their candid, behind-the-scenes look at the world of ballet dancers, were valued not just for their artistic merit but also for their historical significance in the world of Impressionism. Each stolen piece was more than just a painting or a sketch, they were a piece of history, a glimpse into the artist's world, a conduit of cultural dialogue across centuries. Their disappearance resonated far beyond the boundaries of the museum and the city of Boston. It reverberated throughout the global art community, signifying a massive blow to humanity's shared cultural heritage. The pieces remained elusive, their absence a haunting reminder of the audacious theft. The empty frames, still hanging on the walls of the Gardner Museum, stand testament to the hope that these masterpieces might someday be returned. The quest to retrieve them would trigger a far-reaching search, unraveling a labyrinth of theories, suspects, and clues, adding more layers to an already complex and captivating tale. Chapter 2 The Intrigue of the Heist March 18, 1990, started as a night of celebration. The city was alive with the spirit of St. Patrick's Day, laughter and music filling the air, the perfect distraction for what was about to transpire at the Gardner Museum. As Boston slept off the festivities, two men, masterfully disguised as police officers, approached the museum's employee entrance. Their plan was daring, their objective audacious, they were to pilfer some of the world's most celebrated art under the cover of night. 
the museum's security was minimal, with just two guards on duty. Their youth and inexperience were exploited by the imposters, who persuaded them with a tale of a disturbance call. Trust was their weapon of choice, and the guards, taken in by the uniform and the semblance of authority, granted them entry into the museum. With the museum in their grasp, the thieves swiftly took control. They led one guard away from his post, rendering the museum's security system useless. The second guard was swiftly apprehended, ensuring that there would be no calls for help. In a matter of minutes, the museum was at their mercy, the precious art at their disposal. For 81 painstaking minutes, the thieves rampaged through the museum, leaving a trail of devastation in their wake. As they moved from gallery to gallery, they showed no regard for the cultural significance of the pieces they took, ripping precious art from their frames with an almost casual ruthlessness. The quiet halls of the museum echoed with their crime, a stark contrast to the laughter and merriment that had filled the city just hours before. As dawn approached, they disappeared, leaving behind an empty shell where once stood a grand display of art. The absence of the thirteen pieces was felt not just in the empty frames, but in the very heart of the art world. The audacity of their crime had thrown the museum into chaos and sparked one of the most extensive art investigations in history. The haunting memory of that night is imprinted on the walls of the Gardner Museum. Each stolen masterpiece leaves a void that no amount of time or money can fill. The tale of the heist is far from over, with every unfolding detail adding a new twist to the captivating saga that is the Gardner Museum heist. As news of the heist broke out, investigators were immediately struck by a set of perplexing circumstances surrounding the crime. The criminals had executed their plan with an uncanny precision, and yet their selection of artworks seemed oddly random. While they had managed to lay hands on some of the most significant pieces, other equally or more valuable works were left untouched. This haphazard selection added an enigmatic layer to an already intricate mystery. Then there was the matter of the disguises. The thieves, dressed as police officers, had convinced the guards to let them involuntarily, eliminating the need for a forced break-in. This disguise also helped them by time, as their departure in the early morning went unnoticed amidst the post-St. Patrick's Day calm. Moreover, the alarms in the museum had been taped over, suggesting the thieves had intimate knowledge of the museum's security system. Despite this, they appeared unfamiliar with the artworks, recklessly cutting paintings out of their frames, an act that could have significantly reduced the value of these masterpieces. Investigators also grappled with a puzzling record from the security logs. The logs showed that one of the guards had opened and quickly shut the same side door, both times around midnight, a good twenty minutes before the thieves had arrived. Was it a mere coincidence? or was it a signal to the criminals waiting in the shadows? This detail, though small, added another layer of intrigue to the heist's narrative. Then, there was the unprecedented duration of the crime. Most thefts are smash-and-grab affairs, taking minutes, not hours. But these thieves spent 81 minutes inside the museum, an extraordinarily long time for a heist, suggesting they were confident that they wouldn't be interrupted. The investigation into the Gardner Museum heist, much like the crime itself, 
was filled with twists and turns. Every detail, every piece of evidence, every mysterious circumstance added a new chapter to the narrative, making it one of the most captivating stories in the history of art theft. Despite the decades that have passed, the story is far from over, and the search for the stolen masterpieces continues. In the aftermath of the heist, as the dust began to settle, the stark reality of the stolen treasures hit home. The empty frames that adorned the walls of the museum were a grim testament to the audacity of the crime. They were not just void of art, but void of stories, emotions, and a piece of history that once resonated within their confines. These frames bore the ghostly outlines of the masterpieces that once filled them, silent witnesses to the ruthless theft. Visitors who wandered the galleries were confronted with these voids, a chilling reminder of the missing cultural heritage. But the museum chose to keep these empty frames hanging, a powerful symbol of loss and a pledge of hope for the art's return. The concert by Vermeer, Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee by Rembrandt, and Shea Tortoni by Manet, each empty frame echoed with the presence of these masterpieces. The spaces that once held the vibrant colors, the intricate brushwork, the delicate play of light and shadow, now lay bare, their emptiness a powerful narrative of the heist. In a way, these empty frames have become works of art themselves, evoking a sense of longing, a sense of loss, and a sense of anticipation. They serve as a tangible link to the past, a past that was violently disrupted, but a past that holds the key to the future of the stolen art. As the years roll by, these frames continue to hang in their original spots, a testament to Isabella Stewart Gardner's own stipulation that her museum should be preserved for the education and enjoyment of the public forever. Their emptiness now becomes a part of the museum's narrative, a poignant reminder of what was in an enduring hope of what might yet be. These frames, once filled with history's most cherished art, now silently tell a story of their own, a story of loss, of hope, and of an enduring mystery that continues to captivate the world. And the story is far from over, for each frame waits patiently, ready to embrace its stolen masterpiece when it finally returns home. Chapter 3 Theories and Suspects As investigators scrambled to solve the enigma of the heist, theories began to circulate, each more intriguing than the last. One theory that held particular sway was the involvement of the infamous Boston mob. It painted a picture straight out of a noir thriller, complete with underworld characters and shadowy transactions. The key figure at the center of this theory was Carmine the Beast Romano, a feared mob boss known for his ruthless ways and his penchant for art. Romano, who ran the Boston mob with an iron fist, was rumored to have an extensive collection of stolen art which he traded as a form of underworld currency. Adding credence to this theory was the information provided by Brian McDevitt, a known conman with a failed art heist in his past. McDevitt claimed to have been approached by members of the Boston mob who were interested in his expertise. While his direct involvement in the Gardner heist was never proven, his testimony drew a line connecting the crime to the city's underworld. The Boston mob theory was further reinforced when another notorious figure, Robert Bobby Donati, was tied to the case. Donati, a mob associate and a friend of Romano, was known to dabble in stolen goods. 
Rumor had it that Donati had once shown a friend a painting that bore a striking resemblance to one of the stolen masterpieces. However, before investigators could reach Donati, he was found dead under mysterious circumstances, leaving the theory unproven. The idea of the Boston mob being behind the heist was an intriguing one. It suggested a vast criminal network with access to the black market, capable of keeping the stolen art hidden for decades. It added an aura of danger and mystique to the story of the heist, a captivating mix of underworld criminals and priceless art. While this theory brought some tantalizing leads and shadowy figures into the narrative, it did not bring investigators any closer to the stolen art. Despite the tantalizing connections, no concrete evidence was found linking the Boston mob to the heist, turning this promising lead into yet another dead end in the winding path of the Gardner Museum mystery. And so, the search continued, leading investigators deeper into the labyrinth of clues and suspects. Another theory that emerged in the wake of the heist was that it might have been an inside job. This theory hinged on the knowledge of the museum's security protocols and the inexplicable behavior of the guards on the night of the theft. It pointed fingers at those who were entrusted with the care of the art, adding an element of betrayal to the narrative of the heist. Central to this theory was Richard Abath, one of the guards on duty the night of the theft. Abath had openly expressed his dissatisfaction with his job and was a known member of a local rock band, living a lifestyle far from the hallowed halls of the Gardner Museum. Moreover, his actions on the night of the heist raised several eyebrows. It was Abath who had allowed the disguised thieves into the museum, breaking the museum's protocol by letting them in without verification. Security tapes also showed him breaking protocol earlier that night by opening and closing a side door, an act which he couldn't explain. His erratic behavior sparked suspicions about his possible involvement in the crime. Yet, despite the mounting suspicions, Abath maintained his innocence. He admitted to making mistakes but vehemently denied any involvement in the heist. Over the years, he was subjected to multiple lie detector tests and intense interrogations, but no evidence was ever found linking him directly to the crime. The inside job theory made for a sensational story. It painted a picture of disillusioned employees turning on their employer, using their inside knowledge to pull off the greatest art heist in history. Yet, just like the Boston mob theory, it failed to lead investigators to the stolen masterpieces. Despite the intrigue and the speculation, the inside job theory remained just that, a theory. It added another twist to the narrative but brought no closure to the case. The mystery of the Gardner Museum heist continued to elude investigators, each theory leading them deeper into a web of intrigue and uncertainty. The search for the missing masterpieces went on, and with it, the quest to unravel the story behind the greatest art theft in history. As the investigators grappled with dead-end leads and shadowy figures, another tantalizing theory began to surface, the involvement of international art thieves. The audacity of the crime, the specific knowledge required to overcome the museum's security, and the scope of the heist all pointed towards a level of sophistication that seemed beyond the local criminal underworld. This theory painted a global canvas for the story of the heist bringing into the narrative an international array of notorious figures, secret networks, and clandestine operations. 
One name that frequently came up in connection to this theory was that of David Houghton, a British citizen with a dubious reputation in the art world. Known to operate in international circles, Houghton had previously been implicated in several art thefts across Europe. He was rumored to be involved in the underground art market, using stolen art for trade and leveraging it as collateral for criminal deals. Houghton was linked to the Gardner heist by Miles Connor Jr., a notorious art thief who claimed to have provided Houghton with insider details about the museum's security. Connor, however, was in prison at the time of the heist, and his claims, though tantalizing, could not be independently confirmed. Investigators also considered the possibility of an international art thief known only as the Frenchman. Renowned in the criminal underworld for his refined taste and audacious thefts, the Frenchman was rumored to have an extensive network of black market buyers and sellers, capable of handling the stolen masterpieces without detection. These theories painted a picture of a crime that spanned continents, involving elusive figures operating in the shadows of the international art world. They suggested the stolen masterpieces might have been spirited away to some secret vault, waiting to resurface when the time was right. Yet, despite the exotic allure of this theory, it brought investigators no closer to the stolen art. The names, the connections, the international intrigue all amounted to circumstantial evidence at best. The trail, once again, went cold, and the search for the stolen masterpieces continued. This theory added an international flair to the narrative of the heist, expanding the mystery beyond the borders of Boston. But it also underscored the sheer complexity of the case, the numerous possibilities, and the myriad paths that the investigation had to tread. And so, the story of the Gardner Museum heist continued to evolve, a tantalizing mystery that spanned the globe, captivating the world with its unfolding narrative. Chapter 4 Efforts to Solve the Mystery The investigation of the Gardner Museum heist has been a marathon, not a sprint. Spanning over three decades and crossing multiple jurisdictions, it has been a relentless pursuit of justice. Leading this quest is the Federal Bureau of Investigation, along with the dedicated security team at the museum, both relentless in their hunt for the stolen masterpieces. At the heart of the investigation was Special Agent Jeffrey Kelly. An expert in art crimes, Kelly became the face of the FBI's tireless efforts. His methodical approach and painstaking attention to detail helped to unravel some of the more intricate threads in this complex tapestry of crime. Under his leadership, the FBI chased down countless leads, interviewed hundreds of suspects, and sifted through mountains of evidence. The investigation was like navigating a labyrinth. Each lead, each clue, each piece of evidence pointed to different directions, entangling the investigators in a web of possibilities. From Boston's criminal underworld to international art thieves, from disgruntled museum employees to mysterious mobsters, each avenue was explored, each suspect scrutinized. As the years rolled on, the investigation took on a rhythm of its own. Periods of intense activity followed by periods of frustrating inaction became the norm. Leads that initially seemed promising ended up as dead ends. Suspects that appeared guilty proved innocent. Yet, through all the twists and turns, the investigative team remained undeterred. 
they utilized every tool at their disposal forensics, psychology, criminology, and even cutting-edge technology. They tracked down every lead, no matter how small or improbable. They pieced together a narrative from the fragments of information, painting a picture of that fateful night and the shadowy figures involved. Yet, despite their best efforts, the stolen masterpieces remained elusive. The investigation, as thorough and relentless as it was, had yet to provide the breakthrough that everyone was hoping for. But the agents remained undeterred. The hunt for the missing masterpieces continued, fueled by the conviction that the stolen art would one day be returned to their rightful place within the museum. The investigation, though fraught with challenges, remained a testament to the pursuit of justice. It served as a reminder that the story of the Gardner Museum heist was not just about stolen art but also about the relentless efforts to right a wrong. And as the investigation continued, so did the quest to solve one of the greatest mysteries in the art world. Amidst the sprawling investigation, certain clues remained elusive, enigmatic pieces in the jigsaw puzzle of the heist. These unanswered clues tantalized the investigators, offering hints and possibilities, yet remaining stubbornly opaque. One such clue was the strange incident with the museum's motion detectors. On the night of the heist, the motion detectors had registered no activity in the blue room, where one of the stolen pieces, Manet's Chez Tortoni, had hung. How the thieves had managed to circumvent the detectors remained a mystery, hinting at a level of expertise and planning that confounded investigators. The case of the stolen finial was another baffling clue. A bronze eagle finial, part of a Napoleonic flag, was one of the stolen items. But why the thieves had chosen this relatively insignificant item, when they had left behind far more valuable pieces, was a question that continued to perplex investigators. Perhaps the most tantalizing clue was the security video from the night before the heist. The footage showed an unidentified man being led into the museum, much like the thieves on the night of the crime. Was this a dry run, a part of the meticulous planning of the heist? Or was it just a coincidence? The identity of the man and the significance of his visit remained unanswered. Each clue opened up new avenues of inquiry, new threads to be followed. They suggested patterns, hinted at connections, and hinted at the careful planning that had gone into the heist. Yet, they also deepened the mystery, adding more questions than answers. Despite the complexity and the frustrating lack of resolution, these unanswered clues remained an integral part of the narrative of the heist. They represented the challenge that the investigators faced, the complexity of the crime, and the tenacity required to solve it. As the search for the stolen masterpieces continued, these clues kept the hope alive, fueling the ongoing quest to solve the mystery of the Gardner Museum heist. In an effort to recover the stolen artworks, the Gardner Museum, along with various benefactors, pulled together a reward. Initially set at $1 million, the reward steadily increased over the years as the urgency to find the missing masterpieces grew. The reward, a significant testament to the value of the stolen art, also demonstrated the deep commitment to their recovery. By 1997, eight years after the heist, the reward had been increased to $5 million. The hope was that the staggering amount would encourage someone, somewhere, 
to step forward with valuable information. Yet, despite the allure of the hefty reward, the masterpieces remained missing. In 2017, marking the 27th anniversary of the heist, the museum took a bold step. The reward was doubled to $10 million, making it the largest ever offered by a private institution for the return of stolen art. The announcement echoed around the world, throwing the spotlight back on the unsolved heist. The reward came with a promise of complete confidentiality and potential immunity from prosecution. This was an effort to reach out to those in possession of the art or those with knowledge of its whereabouts who might have been otherwise reluctant to come forward. It was a calculated gamble, a high-stakes move aimed at breaking the impasse. The sheer size of the reward highlighted the desperation, the relentless determination, and the unwavering belief that the missing masterpieces could still be recovered. It added a new dimension to the narrative, an almost palpable sense of expectation and hope. Despite the tantalizing reward, the breakthrough that everyone hoped for remained elusive. The reward, however, continues to stand, a testament to the unyielding resolve to bring the stolen masterpieces back to their rightful place. It serves as a constant reminder of the high stakes involved and the enduring mystery of the Gardner Museum heist. It's a promise to the world that the search is still on, the story is yet to be concluded, and that the final chapter in the tale of the Gardner Museum heist is yet to be written. Chapter 5. Developments and Breakthroughs In the late 1990s, the investigation into the Gardner Museum heist took an interesting turn, courtesy of a new lead known as the Connolly Tip. Named after the source of the tip, retired FBI agent John Connolly, it promised to shed new light on the enduring mystery. John Connolly, a seasoned investigator, had a long history with the FBI. He was known for his connections within the criminal underworld, especially with the Boston mob. After his retirement, he became an unexpected source of information for his former colleagues, sharing a tip about the possible whereabouts of the stolen art. Connolly alleged that he had been contacted by a former mob associate who claimed to know the location of the stolen masterpieces. According to this associate, the art was hidden in a secret location in Florida, stashed away as a kind of get-out-of-jail-free card. This was a common practice among criminals, who would use valuable stolen items as leverage in negotiations with law enforcement. This tip added a tantalizing new twist to the ongoing narrative of the heist. It suggested the possibility that the masterpieces had not been sold or destroyed but were hidden, waiting to be discovered. It also brought the Boston mob back into the spotlight, reigniting the theory of their involvement in the heist. The FBI, acting on Connolly's tip, carried out a meticulous search in Florida, but their efforts yielded no results. The alleged location of the stolen art turned out to be another dead end. Despite its initial promise, the Connolly tip faded into the background, another unanswered clue in the sprawling mystery of the Gardner Museum heist. Though the tip did not lead to the recovery of the stolen masterpieces, it served as a reminder of the convoluted paths the investigation had taken, the tantalizing possibilities, and the persistent hope that the stolen masterpieces could still be found. The story of the Gardner Museum heist continued to captivate, its many twists and turns adding to its enduring allure. In 2006, 
Nearly two decades after the heist, a new lead surfaced, one that pointed not to the shady underworld of Boston but to the Mediterranean island of Corsica. This was the Corsican lead, and it once again ignited hopes of a breakthrough in the enduring mystery of the Gardner Museum heist. The Corsican lead came from a French investigative journalist named Jean Amory. Amory claimed that he had been approached by a Corsican gangster who asserted to know the whereabouts of the stolen Gardner Museum art. The gangster allegedly told Amory that the artworks were in the possession of a notorious Corsican criminal organization, a syndicate infamous for its involvement in a myriad of illegal activities, including art theft. This was a stunning development. For the first time, the investigation veered away from the shores of the United States and into the labyrinth of European organized crime. It painted a dramatic picture of the stolen masterpieces hidden away on the rugged, sun-drenched island of Corsica, held by a shadowy criminal syndicate. The FBI, in cooperation with French law enforcement, pursued the Corsican lead, delving into the murky underworld of Corsican organized crime. Yet, as with previous leads, the Corsican connection failed to deliver the hope for breakthrough. Despite the promising start, the lead gradually lost momentum and ultimately joined the long list of dead ends. Yet, the Corsican lead added a new layer to the complex narrative of the Gardner Museum heist. It highlighted the international scope of the crime and the intricate networks of the global black market for stolen art. It served as a reminder of the staggering challenges faced by the investigators and the lengths they were willing to go to recover the stolen masterpieces. Though the Corsican lead did not yield the hope for result, it underscored the ongoing commitment to solving the mystery. It added another twist to the tale, another chapter to the captivating narrative of the Gardner Museum heist. And as the search for the stolen art continued, so did the hunt for the elusive truth behind one of the greatest art crimes in history. In August 2015, the FBI released a grainy surveillance video that added another twist to the enthralling saga of the Gardner Museum heist. The video, recorded by the museum's security cameras, dated back to the night before the theft, a time frame previously unexplored by the investigators. The footage showed an unidentified man being led into the museum by a security guard, a breach of protocol eerily similar to the events of the following night when the thieves gained access to the museum. The man in the video was never identified, and the reason for his visit remained unknown, adding a layer of mystery to the enigmatic recording. The release of the video sparked a flurry of speculation and theorizing. Some suggested that the man was one of the thieves conducting a dry run of the heist. Others theorized that the unknown man was a fourth party, a puppet master orchestrating the theft from behind the scenes. Yet, despite the wild theories, the identity of the man and the purpose of his visit remained a mystery. The surveillance video added a new dimension to the narrative of the heist. It opened up a new avenue of investigation, one that delved into the events leading up to the crime. It provided a tantalizing glimpse into the possible planning stages of the heist, adding depth and complexity to the narrative. While the video did not lead to the recovery of the stolen art, it highlighted the ongoing commitment to solving the mystery. It served as a reminder of the enigmatic nature of the crime and the relentless quest for answers. The surveillance video, like the heist itself, 
became an integral part of the captivating narrative of the Gardner Museum heist, a testament to the enduring allure and the relentless pursuit of the truth. Chapter 6 The Legacy of the Gardner Museum Heist As we step into the final chapter of this enduring tale, the sobering reality of the Gardner Museum heist remains the stolen artworks are still missing. Despite the many leads, the tireless investigations, the tantalizing clues, and the hefty reward, the 13 stolen masterpieces have not been recovered. The empty frames still hang in the museum, a silent reminder of the audacious crime that took place so many years ago. They stand as a tribute to the stolen masterpieces, a testament to their irreplaceable value, and a symbol of the hope that they will one day return to their rightful place. There is an air of poignant melancholy that permeates the galleries where the missing artworks once hung. Visitors meander through, pausing to gaze at the empty frames, their expressions reflecting a mix of fascination, frustration, and longing. The sense of loss is palpable, a shared sentiment that binds the museum staff, art enthusiasts, and casual visitors alike. Yet, amid the disappointment and the melancholy, there is a thread of resilience and determination. The ongoing search for the stolen masterpieces is a testament to the enduring belief in their recovery. The saga of the Gardner Museum heist continues to inspire, to captivate, and to intrigue. The story of the Gardner Museum heist is far from over. The investigation continues, with each new lead pursued with the same intensity and determination as when the theft was first discovered. The empty frames that hang in the museum serve as a promise to the world, a promise that the search is far from over, a promise of a conclusion yet to be written. And until the day the stolen masterpieces are recovered, the story of the Gardner Museum heist remains an open-ended tale of mystery, audacity, and enduring hope. The repercussions of the Gardner Museum heist extended beyond the search for the missing masterpieces. It had a profound impact on the world of museum security, leading to a re-evaluation of practices and the implementation of more rigorous measures. In the wake of the heist, museums around the world reassessed their security protocols. They scrutinized every weak point, every loophole, and every potential vulnerability. From access controls to surveillance systems, from guard training to emergency response protocols, no aspect was left unexamined. The Gardner Museum itself underwent significant security upgrades. Modern surveillance systems were installed, access controls were tightened, and security personnel were provided with enhanced training. The museum became a case study, its painful experience serving as a stern warning to others. These changes also sparked a larger conversation about the protection of cultural heritage. The theft underscored the fact that priceless artifacts and works of art are more than mere objects. They are pieces of our shared history, tokens of our collective culture. Their loss is a loss for us all. The impact of the Gardner Museum heist on museum security has been significant and far-reaching. It has reshaped the way museums protect their collections and has heightened awareness about the importance of safeguarding our cultural treasures. It has also highlighted the fact that, in the face of audacity and cunning, vigilance and preparedness are our best defenses. While the stolen masterpieces of the Gardner Museum remain missing, 
their absence has resulted in a strengthened global commitment to protect our shared cultural heritage. The legacy of the heist thus extends beyond the empty frames in the museum. It lies in the fortified walls of museums around the world, standing guard over the treasures of our collective past. In the face of an unsolved mystery that spans decades, it is hope that continues to fuel the ongoing search for the missing masterpieces of the Gardner Museum. It's a hope that emanates not just from the investigators, the museum staff, or art enthusiasts, but from the millions who have been captivated by this enduring tale of audacity, loss, and resilience. Every new lead, every potential clue, every whispered rumor rekindles this hope, sending a free zone of excitement through those involved in the search and those following the story. The possibility of the artwork's recovery, of their triumphant return to the museum's hallowed halls, remains an enticing prospect. This hope is not baseless. History has shown that stolen art can reappear decades after their theft. Paintings have been found in attic corners, at garage sales, or in the possession of unsuspecting individuals who had no idea of their true value. Each of these stories serves to strengthen the hope that the Gardner artworks could one day resurface. The enduring hope is also fostered by the unwavering commitment of the investigators and the museum authorities. Their tireless efforts, their refusal to close the book on the case, serve as a constant reminder that the search is far from over. It is this steadfast dedication that keeps the hope alive. The story of the Gardner Museum heist, despite its unresolved status, ends on a note of enduring hope. It is a hope for justice, a hope for the return of the stolen masterpieces, and a hope for a resolution to one of the most captivating mysteries in the history of art. Until that day comes, the tale of the Gardner Museum heist remains an open-ended narrative of audacity, intrigue, resilience, and enduring hope.